Welcome back to Going Deeper. I'm Marcy Sklove, and this is part two of my interview with Isaac Ben Ezra. Isaac, um, welcome back. And I want to start, we, and during part one, we first looked at your early childhood life growing up as an immigrant family in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. But now I want to kind of ask you to talk about what happened after you grew up after those early youthful years uh, in your 20s and such. What was life like then, and how did, how did things develop for you? Well, I think like uh, most young people, I was trying to discover what, it, what, what was it that I wanted to do for a living. Mm. I, in those days, you talked about making a living. What kind of work? I didn't go to college immediately. It wasn't available, I wasn't ready, whatever the reason, but many young people went into the workforce or went into the, into the Army. I had rheumatic fever, so during World War II, uh, I, I, I kept in touch with my friends all over the world, and we, we had, and, and that was a very interesting time, but we were very, very much caught up in the war and what was going on. And, and this so, was before email. This <laughs> is before email, right. Uh, but one thing that I was developing, which was informal, was uh, sculpture. Mm. Getting a, I've had the first opportunity when I was in a hospital for six months with rheumatic fever. Uh, my sister brought me some clay and I'd make little squares, a square for a motor, a square for a car, put them together, and I had cops and robbers. So when I was eight and a half, I, so I, was, I was, had to be in bed, so I, I would entertain myself. And then when I went to Irvington House on the Hudson mm -hmm. for rheumatic children for a year and a half, I found clay. And, and, I, and I started to create a whole bunch of things, which became part of my growing up. Yeah. And by the time I was 14, I was studying with Chaim Gross at the Educational Alliance in the Lower, Lower yeah. East Side. And then when, by the time I was 20, I had a, a, a um, uh, scholarship to Brooklyn Museum Art School wow. with Milton Hewall. So. I was trying to connect with the arts yeah. in some way because that's what interested me. Mm -hmm. and, and I got a job selling art supplies uh, in the village because the people who sold art supplies at the, at the Brooklyn Museum had, had shops, had stores in, in Queens and also in, on the Lower East Side. So that's where I made the connection with the, uh, the labor movement. The, the, wow. Uh, and and the, the labor movement, the, the union was on 8th Street and we were on 9th Street. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so it was a great way to get introduced into the, the economic, political, and uh, union life. Okay. Uh, 
And that's what I was doing when I met my wife, Hilda. Oh, Hilda. And, uh, and then things just moved along because uh, I, 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 I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't su sustain myself in, in terms of artwork, mm -hmm. and I needed to work for a living. I keep repeating that. Right. Working class kids need jobs. They need to take care of themselves. Right. So this was a period uh, uh, during, right after World War II, and lots of things were happening, and we'll continue, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, talk more about that right now if you want. So uh, during, you know, we're at the end of the, uh, the war. People are coming back. There's all these needs for jobs and housing. And is that when you sort of became active as a community organizer? Well, I think, I think that I was already active during World War II because we were creating programs. We created a canteen for, for the kids that were coming back from the war on leave. And so the settlement house was a really, really a place for growth yeah. and, and development. I, I became a, a Boy Scout leader in that mm. interim period. So I got all my uh, radical ideas from being a, a cub leader. And then at what point did you move to Pennsylvania, to not, Levittown? Not, not until we got married and had our, we were having our first baby. Okay. Uh, and, but from that, when we moved to Levittown, Pennsylvania, uh, we were gonna have our first child. And we decided that we wanted to, that I needed to find a job in the Bucks County area. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, we wanted to be near Philadelphia because Hilda's parents were, and the two commitments that we had is we wanted to raise our kids with, and they should know what it is to have grandparents. Mm. I didn't have that experience. Wow. And that worked out well, and it, it created a whole culture in our family. By then, had your parents passed on? They should, pretty much on yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years later. Mm -hmm. uh, but moving to Bucks County meant I had to find a job. Well, I taught myself drafting because hmm. of my art background. Right. And in that, those couple of years preceding moving, I got jobs in the drafting field. Wow. Structural steel, mechanical drawing. So, uh, so I basically taught myself into my, and, taught, and talked myself into my first few jobs. Wow. It was pretty obvious after a, four or five weeks that I was kind of <laughs> a day ahead of, I'd come home and look at French's book on how to solve the problem that I was working on. And, uh, but that's, that's what young people had to do. They had to, sure. they, uh, they had to find their own way to make a living. Well, and education wasn't always so formalized that you went from, High school to college to uh, postdoc to I mean to graduate school to postdoc you know there wasn't not on this, the Lower East Side anyway yeah exactly it was a GI Bill yeah that that sort of leveled the playing field a little mm -hmm. bit better right uh, but I wasn't a GI and I didn't have the GI Bill but I I think it's the greatest thing yes that we it created the greatest prosperity 
that uh, the United States has ever experienced hmm. as a result of the GI Bill. Over 11 million people benefited by it. Anyway, so I had to find a job in somewhere in that area. Yeah. And uh, I located, a, there was an opening at American Bridge, which is a steel company, and uh, got, got my first job not doing drafting, but but working in the in the shop, hmm. uh, and because of my drafting experience, in about four months, I moved up to what was called structural steel fitter, wow. because I could take the plans and interpret mm -hmm. them and do the detail with a crew of four or five people. Wow. So I, so that I had, so now I had the job. Now we had to buy the house. Right. We had to find uh, eleven hundred bucks. And we bought our first house in Levittown, and it cost us $9,500 mm. for a two-bedroom Cape Cod. We should only have such benefits today. Absolutely. And uh, the cost of operation was $55 a month, principal interest taxes. Mm -hmm. And that included the monthly payments. Wow. With the, included the mortgage. Very doable. So uh, we moved in when Aaron was six weeks old mm. in April of 1954. And the rest is history. We, along with thousands of other young people, created a new town, Levittown, yeah. PA. Yeah. And of course, uh, in 57, we had the beginning of race riots, but it was the whites who were, who were rioting, not the blacks, mm. because a black family try to move into the house, into a house which was sold to them and that that opened up the the broader brought about a civil rights movement yeah. in Bucks County which exists to this day right and of course right. and Levittown now is is more integrated we, the next time Levitt built a, a, a facility in Jersey he, he could not there was no longer restriction mm -hmm. the New Jersey law you that, couldn't do that. So what we did in Pennsylvania laid the groundwork so that the the, the footprint wouldn't be raced. Wow. Raced. And the result is in New Jersey, a significant black population. In, Le now, in, in that Le Levittown. In Levittown, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Isaac, how many children do you have? I have three children. Okay. Uh, Amy, who I live with here, mm -hmm. with her husband, Farns. Uh, my daughter Lucille and my son Aaron. And where do they live? New York, both of them in New York. Wow, okay. So uh, tell us about how you got involved in the Medicare fight in 65. Well, uh, it started with an article in the local paper that the John Birch Society and the Medical Society we're getting together to have a forum on and trying to avoid prevent Medicaid. I <laughs> so I called one of my friends and I said, "We tomorrow we're going to have an article in the newspaper that we're forming uh, a pro Medicare uh, society, and we'll then challenge them to debates." Wonderful. Which we did. And of wow. course, the, the end result was Medicare. Yeah. Medicare. We were all successful. It, 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 it just, it's a movement that just blossomed. 
of course, and I was so connected with the labor movement. And so you had strong forces. You had uh, progressives, you had liberals, you had people who understood the, the nature of the problem. You had the senior movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, now it's history. Now I'm, now I'm a recipient of Medicare. Right. And Medicare is sometimes spoken of as being vulnerable to cuts. Uh, well, there, we still have it. Yeah, we but do. But we have to fight harder to maintain, yeah. to improve. We have to expand Medicare to everybody in our population. Right. It's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't require having a, 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 a degree in ro robot building or. or right, right. It, just extend it to. Uh, well, let it. me ask you that, that brings the question up about the Affordable Health Care Act. How do you think we're doing in terms of, of providing health care these days? Unfortunately, it was the best we could get mm -hmm. under the circumstances. Because you had a, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the challenge to, to the Affordable Act was, was coupled with telling people they were going to lose their benefits that they had through unionization, hmm. the contracts that they have. So a lot of people were concerned about losing what and for what. It's the people who don't have it that have the most to gain. Mm -hmm. But if you have it already, you're, you're kind of you're subject to the propaganda of the opposition. Right, but no one. I mean, people who had it's insurance. It's still it's 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 a system, but it's a system that that needs to be worked on in the right. future. I mean, Not eliminated, but worked on. Yeah, because you are making a simple point. Just take Medicare and expand yeah, it. Yeah, but that's too easy. <laughs> they it's don't want to do easy. that because then right. you're dealing with corporate America. And that's called something with a big S, socialism, right? Well, <laughs> listen, uh, I had that, I had to deal with the term, the term socialism. Yeah. Way back in, in the late 50s when I organized free polio clinics because mm. the AMA didn't allow any free polio clinics in Bucks County. Wow. And I organized the community and we had inoculated eventually 75,000 people, mostly children. And of course they closed us down eventually because this was too socialistic. Isaac wants to bring socialism. Yeah to Bucks County, while in Philadelphia, I learned it from Philadelphia. Right. It was free in Philadelphia. Yeah. Just a matter of where you are. Right. Okay, who's in charge? Right. So anyway, this could go on and on and on. So, so let's bring it to Amherst now. You moved here in 96, 1996. Yes, and built a lovely house on Strong Street. Yes, you did. A lovely house, is and, true. And uh, very soon, Became involved, joined joined town meeting a mm -hmm. couple of years later. Got active in the uh, se senior movement here and became the president of the bank's senior, senior center. Yeah. Uh, we started to have issues. We were part of a larger community of, of, of seniors who were faced with health care issues mm -hmm. and the cost of prescriptions. and. Uh, I joined with others uh, 
uh, Mass Senior Action Council, which hmm. is a statewide organization. And we, before we knew it, we were uh, bringing people by bus to Canada to get drugs. <laughs> and then we figured there was an easier way to do that and yeah. through uh, uh, email. Mm. And so we worked out a system where uh, people were getting their drugs. And of course, the... the, the, the These are legal prescribed legal, medical yeah. drugs. <laughs> Made in approved FDA right. facilities Just only. wanted to clarify what oh, we yeah. were talking about. Oh, yeah, well, we know. That yeah. the, look, I've been in jail for the, all this time if it wasn't legal. Right, right. As a matter of fact, I introduced the idea to... The, to uh, the town of Amherst. I mm -hmm. said, uh, why should we be subsidizing the pharmaceutical industry when we could provide for all our, uh, the, the teachers, uh, mm -hmm. the staff, everybody, uh, cost, uh, uh, cheaper cost, not cheaper materials, but right. drugs at a lesser cost. The town is saving approximately $100,000 a year wow. because we joined over 10 years ago into the, the, the Canadian, I introduced the, the Canadian drug plan. So that's, that's no small amount of no. money. No, and then also the, the initiative to stop smoking in restaurants. Oh. That well, was a that, big one. Well, that, we had the, our Amherst Health uh, Committee the health board. recommended that we uh, bar smoking in restaurants and, and bars. Of course, it was opposed unanimously by the select board at that time. So, and uh, they were siding with the restaurants. At well, the time? they weren't siding with us. Uh -huh. So I guess you, yeah. know, you have at some point you have to choose sides. <laughs> you, know, you don't get free. We, they did nobody abstained. Right. Uh, so I put together a committee and uh, wrote two resolutions, one to eliminate uh, smoking in restaurants and bars in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The Commonwealth of, of Massachusetts. Yeah, excuse me, yeah. I'm back in Pennsylvania. Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Yeah. And a sister resolution to do it at the local level. Right. And introduce the, the, the state one first. At town meeting. At town meeting, because yeah. the argument was, we'd be for it, but our, uh, Hadley and the rest of them, they'll, they'll, they'll put us out of business. So I said, you're absolutely right. We're not going to go that route. We're going to first put it, put it before the state, and when they eliminate the, the prop problem of competition, then we'll have an easier time. So they passed it. They passed the, first, the larger the resolution. And then I brought up the second ones, and they were furious, but I said, how could we ask people to support, other towns to support, what we're no longer willing to do at our own right. local level? So we passed that, too. That was, again, and, very creative organizing. Oh, yeah. And That's great. So you had five select board members who, uh, who lined up with the uh, Bar Association, and the yeah. Bar Association was being funded by the, uh, the, the cigarette, the, the, oh, uh, tobacco the, the and tobacco firearms. And, yeah, they were yeah, actually, because yeah. that's a big sale in the- That's a lobby, a big lobbying. So the program. world didn't end when we, we, we put it into effect. Right. 
Right. And nobody talks about the problem today. Now, Isaac, it wasn't about that issue, but what issue was it that you actually got arrested in front of Big Y? Oh, you're going to, you're in trouble. <laughs> Kaiser Permanente. Okay, different issue. Uh, went out of business and 10,000 seniors lost their health care benefits. Wow. Nobody stepped up to the plate. None of the other insurance companies were willing to step up to the plate because nobody wanted to cover senior citizens. Sure, it cost too much money. They only want young people who right. are going to live forever. Uh, so, uh, where are Okay, so we decide we're going to have a community meeting at the Banks Community Center. And Shirley Powers and I went to Big Y with flyers. And we're handing out flyers and the manager came out and said, you can't do that, it's against the law. We have an injunction against any kind of activity. And it was that the workers were trying to form a union and they got an injunction against the workers to picket in front of the, because it is considered private property. Yeah. You could go out on, on, uh, on university and try sure. and stop cars and hand out. That's what they say. You can take your, 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 your flyers. Can you, me with my cane, I, I can just see myself knocking on windows and not letting people come in. I mean, it was ridiculous. ridiculous. Stand out there. Yeah. So, so we decided to take a stand. Yeah. We're not going to go. We'll be here for about an hour. We're having a community meeting. People shop here. What we want to do is let people know what's going on and that they, they can do something about it. Well, they called the local police, and the uh, Amherst police came, and to make a long story short, this young officer said, I'm going to arrest you if you refuse to, to move. I said, I guess you're going to have to do what you have to do. And when he wanted me to come into the police car, I said, I can't go into the back of the car. I can't bend my knee. I, can't, I could sit in the front of the car, but yeah. I can't. He says, well, you jump in. At the time, you were 60-something? Oh, it's 70 years 70. old. 70, okay. Yeah, at least 70. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. that makes sense. More than that, whatever. Whatever, whatever. just I was getting a, I was age. a legitimate senior. <laughs> anyway, another officer came by, and, 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 and when he understood the problem, he said, you can drive, come in my car with me. Anyway, they take me to jail. This young officer now takes over, and he has me does my fingerprints, mm -hmm. takes, asks me for my belt, right. then takes, asks me for my shoes. And I said, why are you asking for my belt? He says, just in case you're thinking of committing suicide. And I said, not today. <laughs> I was a pistol. And I was white, so I got away with that, apparently. Right. And I was a senior, so I think that, that saved me. I, so what else did Meanwhile, they ask me? Meanwhile, he asked me for, to identify myself. I said, nope, I'm not going to identify myself. I said, I'll wait until I have somebody, a lawyer or something, and I will. He says, well, you're going to stay in jail until you identify yourself. I said, okay, my name <laughs> is, what's more? Rosa. Rosa Parks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My name is Rosa Parks. 
And he looks at me and says, Mr. Parks. <laughs> I said, excuse me, it's Mrs. Parks. <laughs> and then I, so I wind up in jail. And of course, uh, very shortly, my wife and Amy came and the chief of police. Chief Sherpa. Sherpa comes and says, Isaac, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, you have to ask your police officer. So he says, give him his shoes back, give him his belt, come into my office. And the wind-up was the following Monday, uh, uh, ACLU represented me at, wow. at the hearing, and it was, uh, they, they agreed I was never to go on their property <laughs> for the rest of my life. So you, you don't shop at Big Y? <laughs> so they've lost thousands. Yeah. And, and as a result of the, the story, Instead of 50 people, 300 people show up. At Wonderful, the because of the media attention. Because of the media attention. Once again, it was you well, didn't intend it, but no. that whole thing well, worked in your I'm, favor. Well, now I'm media conscious. Yeah. yeah. If you're gonna, every time we do something, it's gotta, there's gotta be a kick to it. Yeah. So that's that's. That's the message. Rosa Parks story. That's the Rosa, and of course, I've been involved with town meeting. Right, uh, and also you've been a board member here at Amherst Media for, you were on the board for nine years. That's right, just And retired. you uh, were the recipient of the Gene Haggerty Award. That's we wanted right. to get that in. So Isaac, we just have about a minute, minute and a half left, and I just wanted to ask you, is there any last pearls of wisdom that you wanna share? Well, the only thing I would say is that mm. uh, we have to take, we individually have to find a way to collectively take responsibility for our own future mm -hmm. and the future of our children and grandchildren. Uh, because we are in times that are re not only repeating yeah. the uh, economic lessons, uh, the failure of the system, uh, but we have to find a way to protect the rights of workers yeah. and the rights of citizens to live in a uh, freer society. Right. And unfortunately, we have a long way to go. But yeah. it's built on, the reason we're talking about these things is to, it's a way of connecting that the history of our country is one of continuing struggle. And so get mm -hmm. on board and do your bit. Right, and hopefully with the amount of grace and creativity and humor that you have done all these years that you've participated in that struggle. It's true, you've, you've really contributed quite a lot. Um, and now we have to stop. And now we have to say goodbye. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you to Isaac. Thank you for and having me. You're very welcome. Also, I want to just thank Amherst Media for allowing us this opportunity, right? And the community of Amherst for allowing Amherst Media to have this opportunity. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you all next time. Thank you.